to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, Jack Black, the guy from Jumanji 2, uh, Kung Fu Panda, Tenacious D, and um, I was saying backups on a Vandals record in 2002. Um, more on that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to Turned Out a Punk Podcast at gmail.com and send an email to the show. You can also find me on various forms of social media with the handle of at left for Damien, D-A-M-I-A-N. And if you would like to follow us on Facebook, there's a Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham, and you can send him a message. He'll get the message to me and we can communicate that way. If you don't use Facebook like myself and you would like to still find out some of the stuff that we post on the Facebook page, we have a Tumblr page that's turnitapunk.tumblr.com. And there is that. I think that's it. If you would like to support the show, the best way to do that is by subscribing to this podcast, writing a review and rating it. That way you won't miss any of the other fun stuff we have in this feed. Like we have Turn Out a Punk footnotes with Chris O'Toole and myself dissecting each episode after they air. There's also Oil and Flowers, which is Buddha Blaze and myself doing a podcast about cannabis, weed. We're both medical users, so um, there's, a, there's a fun time to be had on that one if you enjoy cannabis. And of course, this show would not be possible without the loving support of the fine folks and friends at Vans. Vans has given me a little bit of money to keep this thing going, and they don't have any, uh, you know, they don't want any influence over who I book on this show. They're just like, book whoever you want, keep doing the show as you do it, and uh, here's a little money so you don't have to pay for it out of your pocket. So thank you very much for them to do that. On to today's show. Today on the show, you know, probably a lot of you are listening to this thing for the first time, or maybe you haven't listened to this thing in a while. Welcome back, or welcome to the show. It gets nerdy on here. Today on the show, we have Jack Black. Jack Black, of course, is a is a movie star. There's no other way to kind of put that. He's also a massive, massive rock and roll fan. And someone that I got to tour with a couple years ago, um, he plays in, of course, the band Tenacious D with Kyle Gass and an all-star lineup of punk musicians. On that tour, in fact, they had Brooks Wackerman of Bad Religion playing drums, also played in The Vandals, also played in Blink-182. His brother played with Zappa. Yep, that's pretty cool. Uh, playing drums for him. And so, yeah, we were on that tour with him. And the whole tour, I kept asking him, you know, like, were you in a punk? Were you ever, like, a punk guy, punk fan? And he was always like, nah, not really, not really. No, nah, I wasn't really a, a punk kid or a hardcore kid. I was, like, more into metal and rock and stuff. You know, and I, you know, but there's something inside the back of my head that kept saying, no, 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 he's not giving you the whole story here. He's definitely not giving you the whole story. And we had an off night on one of those on that tour where we went and saw the band off play with the hard ons and Jack came to the show. I should also say we were on tour with the Foo Fighters opening for the Foo Fighters at the time, the two bands and Jack came to see off and wanted to, you know, come to the show and we got backstage and Keith Morris goes right up to Jack out of, out of the gate and goes, I remember you, Jack, you were that kid running around the boardwalk back in orange County. And after the show, I'm like, Jack, what was with that? And he goes, I don't know, man. I don't know. And then he would go on, of course, to direct videos for Off. He had played in, of course, Tenacious D's first lineup with Steve McDonald, the bass player of Off and bass player of Red Cross and greatest guest in this podcast's history, episode four, I believe. Go back and listen to that one. It's, it's, it'll blow your mind. Uh, but yeah, Steve 
you know, had played with Jack on that First Nations D record. And I thought maybe that was the connection, but no, Keith knew him too. And so Jump Head 2018, it's been, God, I don't know how many years now. Eight years? God, time flies. Since I was on tour with Jack, uh, you know, back then. Um, and I have a case now. I have some evidence. I have photographic evidence. I have video evidence, which unfortunately has disappeared, but I do have the memory of the video evidence that I have come across. Uh, I have some other uh, links that I want to present to him. And uh, yeah, you're going to hear it all now. This is one of my favorite episodes I've ever gotten to do. This is a really fun one. Uh, I'm I'm excited for you to hear it. Also, I should say that on that tour, Jack and I had a yo-yo battle and that footage was lost to... The, uh, the, the, the sands of time and, and, and lost in, in a void, but now has been plucked from the void and brought to you. And you can find it on the person who shot its YouTube page, Sandy Miranda. And if you go to my Instagram page, it's in my, um, my, in my Instagram bio, there's a link to this video of Jack and I having this yo-yo battle. You can also find it in Sandy's Instagram bio, I believe as well. I am Sandy Miranda at I am Sandy Miranda. And so you will, uh, you will get a chance to see him and I have this yo-yo battle as well. So there's a video uh, thing that I'm not the video evidence that I'm talking about that I present to him. Believe me, that's not the punk connection. No, there's much stronger evidence than that, but you can find this video on YouTube right now and go and watch it because it's a lot of fun. This guy's pretty entertaining. I don't know if you knew this about Jack Black, but this guy can be kind of funny. I almost forgot. We do have shirts too now. So please send an email if you would like a Turn It Punk shirt. We have blue or black with your size and your color shirt uh, preference. And uh, yeah, send it to uh, Turn It Punk podcast uh, at gmail.com. And I'm going to post those on on uh, Instagram if you want to see what they look like. But it's basically the logo on a shirt. Also, almost forgot that we also have a Spotify playlist thing going on now. So if you go over to Spotify, if you use Spotify, I'm, I'm going to do it for other music streaming services too, hopefully. But if you go over to Spotify for right now, because that's the only account I have. So on Spotify, just search Turned Out of Punk and the, the name of the guest you want to see. And I've made playlists for everyone. And this one's really weird for Jack. It's just like his journey. Very unique. Just like him. Very unique. And what would turn out a punk be without a couple corrections? Uh, of course, when I say teenage head, I'm actually talking about the talking heads. You'll hear it. I'm running through a list of bands that played at CBGBs. But anyway, you'll hear it. Uh, also, yeah, the record that we're talking about is Ball Hog or Tugboat. I don't know where I got Powerball. I guess I'm hoping to win a lottery or something. But anyway, <laughs> Ball Hog or Tugboat. So that's it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy Jack Black on Turned Out a Punk. Jack, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Damien. Well, this is a big thrill. As I was just alluding to off air, when we were on tour together all those years ago, I, I, I remember asking you distinctly, like, were you a punk rocker when you were younger? And, and you said no, right? Yeah. Well, I but have. That's seen... not entirely true, is it? Did no, you find it's not. some some evidence? I have found some evidence. I've stumbled across some photographic evidence, <laughs> some video evidence, and uh, yeah. I am ready to dive in with you, Jack. I got to start this off the way I start them all off, which is: How'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Um. Well, my big bro Howard 
uh, Siegel was a uh, a recording engineer, and he worked on uh, Devo, Freedom of Choice. And uh, he was credited with uh, coming up with the whip sound in Whip It. <laughs> he figured out the sound that they had just sounded wrong, but then if he, if he played it backwards, something like that. There was some technologies involved. And uh, so he took me to uh, that show, the Freedom of Choice tour, Devo show at the Santa Monica. I don't remember when that was. What is that? Nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty. I guess it'd be eighty. And uh, yeah, and uh, it was a it was a mind blower. Um, I don't know if you classify Devo as as a as a punk rock band. Oh, you have to. Uh, there was there, there were strange aliens from another planet. First and foremost, then Definitely. they were punk rock. Yeah, it's true, but I feel like they uh, they deserve their own genre because they were such a strange mixture. You know what it was? They were punk rock, but they were also like a surrealist uh, um, performance artists. Almost, mm-hmm. you know, they they had a concept. They came at you with like uh, absurd short films. Before the movie, before the show started, they came at you with characters, costumes. It wasn't uh, just your typical like punk rock experience, right? Wouldn't you agree with that? Well, I, I think you're right, and I think though, in a pre-codification of punk rock sense, they are punk rock. But yeah, now when you think of punk rock, you think of like the Ramones, this sort of stripped down idea. But like, yes. But if you think about the Ramones happening at the same time as you have, you know, Teenage Head and Blondie and Suicide and like all this stuff in New York that was all punk rock. And I think, you know, in LA, you've got the screamers happening at the same time you have X and the, the germs and it's all punk rock. And I think Devo by extension, you know, happening in Cleveland or, or or Columbus or Akron, Akron, right? I think it was Akron. I think you're right. Akron. But like you have that whole like sort of Ohio scene with Tin Huey and, and rock from the tombs before that and electric eels and, and all that, I think, is, you know, pre-codification punk rock. I wish I could agree with you, but I've never heard of the Electric Eels. And I feel like maybe <laughs> you're making up some band names that don't exist. <laughs> See if I go, oh, yeah, well, the Electric Eels, of course, that's where it started. And then you say, busted. There is no Electric Eels. <laughs> I so would I'm never fall for that possible trap. I would never do that to you, Jack, because trust me, you could do it to the, me as well. So we're we're just beginning your journey, and I'm I don't mean to be uh, giving you this info dump this quickly. I'm but I'll sorry. tell you one thing about my 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 memories from that that mind blower of a show that yes. uh, that Devo put on that night in Santa Monica when I was eleven years old. Um, it started off with a short film. That reminded me a lot of like Eraserhead. I had not seen Eraserhead at that time, but now in <laughs> retrospect, I put those two sort of in the same category of, of cinema. Yes. You know, there, there was that industrial darkness and walking in, the, in a sort of, uh, it wasn't post-apocalyptic, but, but it was just sort of like sad and, and m- dark machinery, mm-hmm. uh, tapestry uh, and, and, uh, this just sort of dark sense of humor and this this strange little boyo character, uh, and it was a uh, it put you in a state, you know, before the rock even started, they put you in this place where it was just uh, 
very uh, contemplative and uh, otherworldly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It was pretty rad. It, it definitely made you feel like you were on acid uh, in a natural state. There, there was a theatricality to their punk rock. They, they were like, uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know. That's it. That, that, <laughs> I'm going to end that sentence with "they were uh." <laughs> no, but I think you're right. They, they definitely had that sort of, po- you know, post-industrial like things are breaking down quality to those visuals they had early on, like. People associate him with yeah. all this sort of new wave kind of fun, but there was there was a cynicism and like sort of a a sense of it's all over to them. You know they they came out of the Kent, yeah. Kent they came out of the Kent State massacre. Like I, I interviewed um I interviewed them a long time ago, and he was saying that that was like that was what it was a direct reaction to was seeing what happened at Kent State. No and, shit. Yeah, and and just being like you always think about. The, the old hippies like mm-hmm. uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash because they wrote that song directly mm-hmm. related to that, but, which is one of my favorite fucking Neil Young jams, by the by. Now you're um, now you're getting the electric eels reaction from me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you could be making this all up, Jack, and I could just wait. You don't know. Ohio. Oh yeah, I know that song. I didn't know that song. <laughs> I can't believe you don't know that jam. I know the song, but, but I never um, made the connection. You know the song. I know the song, but, but uh, that's where you're schooling me, Jack. We're all learning today. That's right. That's why you have this show. Yes. To to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the, I'm the only reason I have this show. I wouldn't even put this up if I didn't have to. This would just be for me. Well, yeah. The, all the all the best things are just for you. True. Very true. I'm very selfish that way. Um, but you know, there's not a lot of bands that, that take that into account really like what the, what, what visuals and what, uh, well, I guess, uh, what I'm trying to say is Devo is more than a band. Mm-hmm. They're like, mm-hmm. a, I don't know what they are. Like a, a cultural shift. Like, it seems like there's, you know, that's why I was so inspired by like what inspired them when I asked you know, Mark Motherbow, what was the inspiration for you guys? Because it just seems like there's pre-Devo and post-Devo when it comes to music. I mean, just the name Devo, it's de-evolution. It suggests like a whole theory and a whole premise and a whole, there's a whole like a theme mm-hmm. to their, their existence, not to each, not just each song, but to the whole project known as Devo. It's like the, it's, it's a, mo- it's a movement. It's a movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the more time that goes by since that, I remember at the time thinking Devo and someone explained to me, oh, it's Devo. Their, their theory is like the, the world is devolving. Like we're not, we're not evolving and getting more advanced. We're getting like dumber and dumber as time goes on. And I was like, that's a funny idea, but it's absolutely not true because, you know, look at technology. We're, we're advancing all the time. But the more time goes by, the more I go, no, they're fucking right. Mm-hmm. We are all devolving. We all are getting stupider because of our technology, and it's very dark and grim. And their music's not really dark and grim. Their music's actually fucking danceable and joyous. But um, there's a message there that I appreciate because not, there's not a lot of bands that have like a a mission like that to like 
warn the world of the... But they don't come off as like, hey, we got to let everyone know before it's too late. It's not like corny like that. But it's, no, I think uh, that's what, they don't age. They, that's why they're like timeless, I guess, because they're just like, yeah, it, they don't put that like sort of like, you know, and, and I'm a fan of punk rock, but punk rock has a tendency to do this. Like just they don't beat you over the head with the fact that the world's ending. They're letting you dance to the no. apocalypse. They're not an emotional band. Obviously, they, they come off like robots, and that's yeah. intentional. Yeah. But there's a strange, like, robot wisdom and robot joy and a, and a robot warning that comes through with, like, lots of humor. It's a very, it's a very deep band. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think they're, they're a band that, you know, almost like, you know, they're just, there's like this surface appreciation of them. But like, once you go in, especially have you heard that hardcore Devo collection that came out? It's called, No, it's from Ryko put it out in the nineties. It's a two CD set and it's been reissued on vinyl in the recent years. And I think you can find it on Spotify and all that kind of stuff too. But it's like their recordings from 74 to 79. And it's oh. amazing. The stuff they were doing. Oh, I got to check that out. It's awesome. It really is worth What's it. What's it called again? Hardcore Diva. I'd, I'd like to write it down on my on my iPhone device, but I'm talking to you on uh, my iPhone. I'm, I'll hit I'm you with a text. Remember Hardcore Diva. I'll Thank hit you with you. A, I'll hit you with a text afterwards because you definitely I remember they had that that greatest misses album. I thought was so funny. Everyone's got a greatest <laughs> hits, but they also did a greatest misses that I thought was pretty rad. Yeah, they're, they're like, you know, and their aesthetic also has aged really well, too. I've got like a bunch of Devo action figures right now I'm looking at on my desk in front of me. And it's like that like a, a band now could come up with that aesthetic and it would just feel just as fresh. Hmm. <laughs> Where did you kind of go from Devo, though? Like you'd seen this at 11, which is really early. That must have been mind blowing yeah. at that age. Well, yeah, it was mind blowing. And you'd think that that would launch me into a world of punk rock. But uh, I I don't think I was really ready for it. <laughs> yes, that well, just, you are. That just marinated in the in the back of my subconscious mind for years before it really took to flower. But um, when I went to school the next day, I bragged to all the other kids that you know I went to see Devo and and uh, they were all jealous because they were all eleven and like what you got to see Whip <laughs> It? Oh. How'd you go? And I was like, my brother uh, worked on the album. You lie. <laughs> he did not. You're a liar. And then I went home and I took my copy uh, of uh, Freedom of Choice, mm-hmm. and uh, and I uh, and I forged the signatures of all the names <laughs> of all the the band members in Devo onto my copy. But it looked really dumb. It looked like a little kid had had forged the signatures because that is was the case. So I I took it to school the next day to show the the naysayers. Mm-hmm. But I kind of just flat I flashed it to them real fast because I didn't want them to study the signatures. I was like, "See, I told you, I got a sign from all the members of Devo because I'm my brother's friends." <laughs> and then I put it in my locker, and I locked it, and I went to class and. When I came back to my locker, it had been busted open and someone stole my fucking bullshit oh, no. for But the joke's on them because it's a worthless piece of shit. So Oh no, now it's an autograph by Jack this, Black record. <laughs> yeah. Derek, you stole a piece of shit. So bite it. <laughs> That's awesome. But then then from there. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I took a deep dive into uh, a lot of, uh, well, I was, I was really into Journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's where the judgment begins. No, there's no ju- absolutely not. Like, believe me, you Escape. know, you, you saw Devo. You, you know, you've got you've got a lot of leeway, my friend. Way more than I have. See, I get yes, I get leeway now. Now I can <laughs> yeah, say some bands, course. and it doesn't matter who I say because I start with Devo. That gives me at least like ten, like not. Well, you know what? Why am I so ashamed? Fuck it. Uh Maybe I still listen Journey sometimes. Okay? I, there. I said it. I love Journey. <laughs> Escape. It's a great record. And then, uh, you know, there was some uh, sticks. And then I remember I went to the record store to get the new Journey or sticks or something. Mm-hmm. And there's a kid there, an older kid who's like, you know, 16 is like, no, man, you don't want to get that. You want to get Blizzard of Oz, bro. <laughs> Blizzard of Oz. So I was like, all right. And I took the Ozzy Osbourne solo album, fresh off the fucking griddle, Blizzard of Oz. And that was the real first game changer. Because before that, it was all, you know, like, you know, Journey Sticks, ABBA, Beatles, Mellow Jam, so, so, uh, who did I like? Uh, Simon and Garfunkel. But then, you know, the Prince of Darkness took over. And uh, Randy Rhodes weaving his magical spells on, on electric guitar. So that opened up the world of heavy metal to me. And that was really my main jam for the next five years. It was all about Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and and ACDC and and Led Zeppelin all all of your fucking classic rock devil worshippers <clears throat> and then of course there was also the Who and uh, some uh, satanic bands that were just as hard rocking if not more so Van Halen. Mm-hmm. I love the ones that had the fucking the sense of humor along with the rock, like Van Halen. Uh, David Lee Roth w- w- was funny. He was a he was a personality. He was an old school showman mm-hmm. mixed in with his crazy, uh, sexy fucking. Can't really call it heavy metal, but there was nothing more rocking. And then there, and then ACDC. Uh, especially in w- with uh, Bon Scott, or funny as hell, fucking big balls. Yeah, classic comedy rock jam. I've got big balls. He's got big balls. She's got big balls. Together, we got the biggest balls of them all, Jack. Yeah, the balls are always bouncing. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then in high school, uh, I started to get back into the punk rock uh when i was turned on to um the minutemen who were no longer playing together at that point it was firehose mm-hmm. but firehose was rad i had this friend that uh was a great bass player what was his name sean wheatley he was in a rad band called mustard and he would play all the rad 
punk rock jams on his turntable, and he said he loved fire hose because you li- you could literally put the needle down anywhere you wanted on uh, on that record, raging full on, and it didn't matter where you laid the needle; it was going to be fantastic. So we tested his theory like a hundred times and just <laughs> randomizer put the needle down in random spots and like, yep, this part is fantastic. <laughs> it was just so packed with with good fucking punk rock juice. Um, I never knew what that guy Ed from Ohio was singing about. The lieutenant becomes casualty. Wait, that sounds actually kind of had politics. But there was some strange uh, stream of conscious poetry that I never really understood. But fucking love to see them play live. Mike Watt, my favorite bass player, oh. just blowing steam out of his fucking ears. And uh, yeah, that drummer, everybody, everybody. It was a, one of the great three-piece bands. And um, <clears throat> and then. Uh, were you like is it was, Sean Wheatley's the guy who played in also did he play in a Shower of Smegma SOS? Fuck, maybe. Let, there, let me look on my if only there were a device that could tell me the answers to these. Well, I don't really bring it up because it's like uh, that's the pre All I, I think he played in that they were like a thrash band that would have been like when you guys would have been a 14 years old, I guess. And it's yeah. like and some of the members went on to form the, the band Justice League, which is the pre Straight Edge band. And there's like, uh, there's like, a, there's like a bunch of connections to like other bands too. I'm not sure. Okay. I don't want to say yes because you know I, am, I I still suspect that you're trying to trick me. I'm not trying to trick you. I, honestly, Jack. Me. No, no. I'm. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to nerd with you, my friend. This is like. This for me is. You know, I also like, you know, we started with Devo, but we're also been building to the fact that you play in one of the all-time great punk rock supergroups, Tenacious D, on the first album. Oh, the thank you. Is one of the all-time great punk rock supergroups. Dude, uh, that's a very, that's a very high praise coming up. Well, but, I, uh, I, I just, I'm just going with I mean, the facts, what, Jack. But what jam off of any of our albums really reads like, Oh, this is a straight punk rock jam. Well, none of them, but that's the thing that's we talked about with tenacious right. D like punk rock. I don't think, I think now it's codified as a sonic approach, but I think that came yeah. much later. And I think that's, that's almost anti what it was originally about. Yeah, dude. Holy shit. I think you're right about shower of smegma. Sean Wheatley. <laughs> Have you listened to any of that? I've, I might, when that first, when that reissue first came out, it was at the height of my nerdy, like I got to hear everything that comes out. So I did hear it when it first yeah. came out. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy it and do the needle drop test and see if every, <laughs> every square inch of that thing is, is a blister creep. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, also got to give a shout to, um, one of my favorite bands from high school, uh, the Meat Puppets. Oh, absolutely. Now, The Meat Puppets, <laughs> that's a punk rock band that uh, had a tremendous, like, country twang flavor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I, I went to see them live, and that was a game changer for me. That, that was an experience. Um, uh, Kirk, was it? Is it, is it, is it uh, Kurt, the brothers, the two brothers in there? 
Who uh, do you in, got? You got in the meat. Oh, the in the meat puppets. Yeah. In the uh, the Kurt and Chris Kirkwood. Thank you. Um, Kurt Kirkwood was uh, melting my brain with a guitar shred in the middle of a song, and he was just staring down the center of the audience. <laughs> And he his focus was so intense. I'm sure he was blazing on acid or something. <laughs> yeah. But he had everybody in the palm of his hand. It was just a fucking magic show. Uh, it was one of those shows where you look around and everyone's on the same page, just in a state, you mm-hmm. know, of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And uh, not because we're all blazing, <laughs> because the music the music was just so damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only had that a few times, you know, I saw the Pixies when they got back together, uh, uh, for, for a minute, I was like 10 years ago. Do you remember when they played at, at, uh, Coachella? Coachella. Yeah. It would have been 10 years ago. It was the original lineup, but the night before they played Coachella, they played a little, a little place called the glass house. Out in Pomona or I something. Played there myself. And Definitely I, know that venue. And I okay, you know the venue. And I went over there and and they were playing and and uh, it was during that song of thirteen and she got a tattooed tit. Say <laughs> I'm at that time. I just looked around and his he was so fat and I just loved him so much. He was like a Buddha up there on the stage and he was just so relaxed. Do you know what I'm talking about? That that Black Francis relaxation. Yeah, fucking so comfortable in his own skin, and he's just playing so in the pocket, mm-hmm. and he's just so zen, and he was just fucking working that crowd, and everybody in the room had that look. You looked around, and everyone was just blissed out. <clears throat> Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you, have you been in the audience for some shows where you look around and go, "No, this is not just a great show. This is this is one of my top fives right here." Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's that feeling when you're like, this is something that I'm going to remember forever. What, what, which one, what comes to mind for you when you think about those, those like, those Sto- top, those top five Stooges when they got back together? Uh, oh, uh, they, shit. They played Massey Hall in Toronto. And, uh, oh, shit. Yeah. That was one of the, one of the ones we opened the show. And I was like, I didn't oh, see. Oh, shit. I, and I hadn't seen them yet, so I was like, I mean, "We're gonna be, we're gonna kill them with energy." And then they came out and they just destroyed <laughs> us, just destroyed <laughs> us. Like, yeah. Um, also, I gotta say, uh, Frank Black. I saw Frank Black in the Catholics, and it's amazing. He's like oh. one of those songwriters. He's done like, you know, like to do it three times with three different sets of musicians. I think yeah. like. It's not just luck. It's like it's something else at that point. And like he he's yeah. done it. He was amazing at that Catholic show. And then he loaded up oh. all his own gear. I love those records. Oh. oh my god, those are some like undiscovered gems because it never never got the the love that the Pixies records got, mm-hmm. and they never got the love that even like the Breeders records got. But they they're every bit as as a uh, deep and delicious mm-hmm. those fr- frank black and the catholic songs are, are are layered and and um i just love his like off rhythm uh jams mm-hmm. you know unexpected little little uh turkey nuggets of, of pleasure well to bring in the fire hose right now you know it's a sick song 
off Powerball mm. Tugboat, that Chinese fire drill song that he does with Mike Watt. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a jam. Yeah. That is a great one. Wait a second. It's it's Mike Watt. Mike Watt is the whole album. Yeah, remember it's like the, his like it's like that ultimate and, '90s and, super album. But every but every every song had a different guest uh, uh, musician mm-hmm. on on ball tug or tugboat, whatever it was, ball hog or tugboat, ball hog, power ball, power ball hog or tugboat. Now you got uh, now I'm okay. now I'm lost. Now, but yeah, it's that now, Mike Watt one. Which song? Which which song were you, were you thinking of a particular song? Living this life. It's try, like trying to learn Latin. Dun, dun, dun. In a Chinese fire yeah. du, 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 du. Who was who he jamming with on that one? I think it's I think that's Dave Grohl on drums. Oh, yeah. Frank Black oh, on vocals. Yeah. It might be Jay Maskus oh, on guitar. Oh, yeah. Damn. That's a super group right that's there. That's a super group. Like, what an album that is. That brings another one that comes to mind. Another one comes to mind. Uh, I saw um, Dinosaur reunion was it dinosaur mm-hmm. junior or dinosaur with the original lineup with lou barlow on bass mm-hmm. and uh that was the first concert that i went to with my wife that was back uh i guess like 12 years ago mm-hmm. maybe thir- maybe 13 years ago but it was uh delicious yeah it, oh god they're one of the few bands that gets back together and puts out new records that are kind of like worthy of the nostalgia yeah, Jay Maskus. Yeah. What about Dave Grohl? Did you ever did you ever see uh, Nirvana uh, back in the day? No, I got I uh, my friends went, um, but I didn't get. I got a Nirvana. You were like, car. "Fuck this! This is too much hype. I'm not <laughs> buying it." No, I was. I was just. Uh, I kind of. I didn't get into. I got into punk and stuff through Sonic Youth, and I kind of got into it. Oh yeah. A little bit later, like I got ninety. I guess right. ninety two. I got into Sonic Youth. So yeah. I didn't get a chance to see Nirvana, unfortunately. But the amazing band. Um, that was one of the best concerts I ever saw. When did you see them? It's it's one of those sh- it's one of those concerts though where like ninety percent of the people that say they were there were just saying they were there. Yeah. So it's yeah, I was there. I saw I saw them the night that Bill Graham died in San Francisco. And I knew it because they put it, they put it, uh, up the Bill Graham rest in peace up on the, on the marquee, uh, at the, uh, what the hell theater was it in San Francisco? Okay. Now I can't remember the venue. So you're thinking this is bullshit. Jack no, wasn't no, I, there. I was I, there. Dude, I will never doubt you on anything. I know. Cause you know what? One of my pieces of evidence that I want to introduce was the fact that when you and me Went to see Off in the Hard Ons play on a night off in Australia. Oh, Keith Morris yes. was like, "I remember you, Jack. I remember yeah. you from running around in Orange County back in the day." So if Keith, if Keith remembers you, and Keith doesn't put over anyone, it means something. Something's up. I love that Keith Morris man. Oh, absolutely, uh, and that's pre you doing those videos for them too. That guy's a classic. That guy's a classic. Uh, I want I want a movie about him. You know, yes. I don't know who would play him, but his voice, <laughs> his his voice is so distinct, and you just want to like follow him around with a camera and get some of that sweet punk rock magic down on on celluloid forever. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. He's like, maybe it's a follow doc instead of a, a character piece, you know? Maybe. Cause he is. I, was, I had the pleasure of, uh, partying with those guys on a couple music videos mm-hmm. on the off. And, uh, you know, that they're in the category of punk rockers that know how to have a good time and are funny as hell. Like, Go check out some of those videos. There's some really funny shit on there. Well, and, and that you know, also, that's why we fit together. Well, and also you fit together because that features your former bass player, Steve McDonald. Yes, S. McD. Did you ever see um, Red Cross? White back Stripes. In? Did you ever see? Well, oh, oh, yes, Red Cross. I called him White Stripes. What an idiot! But he did. Remember uh, when he did that? Remember when he did that uh, White Stripes thing where he played bass over all their songs? <laughs> yeah, he called it Red Stripes. Red Stripes. That's, that's why right. I got confused. <laughs> yeah. So even in your mistake, you make a, a reference to a sick, obscure punk rock piece of trivia, Jack. I know. I can't help it. <laughs> you can't help it, dude. That's my life. All. My mistakes are all the best parts of me. <laughs> I mean, I'm never really good on purpose. But um, no, I never, I never got a chance to see Red Cross. I almost said Red Stripes. Um, which is a, it's a, it's a shameful thing to admit because, like, uh, yeah, we know each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that I haven't. But the truth is, I just never leave the house. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen Red Cross? Yeah, we played with them a couple times, but I never got to see them on their first run. Like they were doing like nineteen right. plus shows, and I wasn't able to get in, unfortunately. But right. uh, still, a great band. Where, where did you? Where did you meet him? Like, how did that lineup kind of come together for that record? Um, he came to a Tenacious D show early on, and okay. just like, dude. And uh, I listened to his records and uh, was a fan without ever having seen him. But he was just like, you guys are great. And that was back when when we were just, we didn't have an album. It was just me and Kyle, acoustic mm-hmm. rocking. And he said, let me play bass in your band. And we we're like, oh, shit, it's on. <laughs> and then we got this other guy, uh, Warren Fitzgerald from the vandals mm-hmm. was uh was in was into it too and we we uh we met him through david cross and and mr show he was he was hanging out watching those live tapings back in the 90s of mr show which was like the fucking seminal rad alternative comedy television show of the 90s you know and that was like a scene a lot of people were going just to watch the tapings of mm-hmm. that show and it was a great place to like meet people and and start up other projects like other fucking rad comedy projects came out of that scene. But, um, is that yeah, how you, so we, because you guys were, that was just, your first, we just recruited them. Okay. That was your first TV show too, right? When you were on Mr. Show first TV appearance, right? Yep. Um, I that's was right. Big fan. Well, that's not true. I personally, yeah, I had a, a couple other credits when I was 13 years old. I did a commercial for, Atari, a video came called a Pitfall what? way before you were born. Yeah. Oh my God. How Back old? in 1982, 83, somewhere like that. Jack, you flatter me with how young you think I yeah. am, but I definitely remember Pitfall. Are you, are you a child of the 70s? When were you I, born? <clears throat> 79. 
Oh yeah, barely. <laughs> well, yeah, I do, do remember you, Pitfall. Do you remember Pitfall? <laughs> yeah. Do you have siblings? Brothers? Yeah, I've got sisters? a young I've got a younger brother. Yeah. Okay. Um but uh that's how I got my my start in the biz. When I was I was a child actor, you know, and I and I went out on a lot of auditions. I got a little parts here and there. But um but it was uh actually through uh, my theater uh gig with the actors gang uh I got a, my first movie role was uh Bob Roberts that Tim Robbins from the actors gang directed and then uh I started getting little parts here and there but it wasn't until yeah Mr. Show like David Cross came to see Tenacious D play in a little club in downtown LA called uh, Al's Bar. It's not there anymore, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Uh, you guys got to open for for Mr. Show. Just come out and play. We're going to do some live shows. This is before they had the TV show." Yeah. And we're like, "Yeah, we'll do that. Why not?" And uh we met all of those guys and uh and they had their show and they were so rad and they they uh they asked us if we wanted to do a little mini show in front of Mr. Show, you know. And that was uh that's really how I got my career started was with Tenacious D and and David Cross and, and Bob Odenkirk. So yeah, the, even though I had a little part for it then, I do credit Mr. Show with with really la- launching my my actual career. And another punk rock connection too, David Cross, punk rocker, former guest of this show. Oh yeah. No, he knows his shit. He's yeah. got an encyclopedic mem- memory. He's funny and his great stuff is on purpose. <laughs> Have you ever seen that clip of him in RuPaul from like 82 smoking cigarettes in like in, in no. Atlanta? No. It's but awesome. I know that's his hometown. Yeah, wow. it's it's at it's at RuPaul and the U-Hauls, RuPaul's punk band or or new wave punk band. Um one of their shows and at one point, the guitar player pulls out a cigarette and needs someone to light it. And who comes in to light the cigarette? David fucking Cross. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. It's one of my favorite uh, YouTube clips. It's a deep dive, but it's, it's definitely worth yeah. <laughs> worth a dive. Jack, there's this photo which is circulated around the internet that I need to ask you about. It's of a mosh pit yeah. at a show for the Orange County band, I believe they were Orange County band, Visual Discrimination. Mm. And, and, or, and the show, sorry, is in Reseda, California. And mm-hmm. there was a gentleman in the mosh pit uh, with very curly, long hair. And it has been <laughs> purported to be yourself on the internet for a number of years now. Dude, I have no memory <laughs> of that. What year was that photograph taken? Is there any uh, eighty-seven information you can give me? Eighty-seven. Nineteen eighty-seven. In Reseda? In Reseda. Can I send you the photo? Yes. Send it over. Okay, I'm going to send this over. I'll just tell so you. I'll tell you. It might, it might refresh my memory. Okay, I'm just going to take me one second to oh, find but there it. Was, there was another band I wanted to say from, from my early days. What's that? Uh, that I loved. Might be my favorite punk band. The fucking Descendants. Oh yeah, Milo goes to college. Absolutely, Milo goes to college is one of the great records. And um, recently, I stumbled upon this fucking gem of a documentary about the Descendants called 
movieage, is it? Filmage. Movieage. Filmage. Filmage. That's Filmage. It. Yes. Filmage. Yes. Uh, fantastic. An amazing movie. And you know what? The revelation uh, was about that that uh, that Anderson guy, the the drummer. Oh no, Bill. Uh, Bill he, Stevenson. Stevenson, not Anderson. God, I'm an idiot. No, no, no. You're Bill not. Don't Stevenson. Worry. Yes. I didn't realize how much Rocket Sauce was <laughs> Bill Stevenson. I just always assumed it's Milo. He's the front man. <laughs> He's singing those songs. He went to college. He must be the one. That was fucking the rocket saw. I gave way too much credit to Milo and not enough to Bill Stevenson. No, absolutely. I just didn't, I guess, spend the time to to read the the liner notes or see who wrote this shit. But that guy was, what a force. What a creative force. And then you see where he went from, like, all the stuff he did with the Descendants and all. But also with, like, he would would jump into Black Flag for Mm -hmm. periods of time and, like, he was working. He was collaborating with with tons of great people, and and I saw him at a Tenacious D show one time because I think he was there because his kids were uh, were deep into the into the D. And I and I uh, and I knew that he was in the audience, so I sang, uh, like in my solo, I sang some Descendants, <laughs> a little a little chunk a chunk from one of his songs, and uh, afterwards. I was talking to him and I was like, dude, uh, did you hear the, the song? I, I sang a little bit of uh, Gene is Dead. And he was like, oh, no, when? I was like, you know, <laughs> no, you're coming. And I was like singing it back again to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't recognize that. <laughs> I was trying to create a rainbow connection, but it didn't, didn't quite take. All right. Sorry. There's a dude here. <laughs> no problem. Can I uh can I call you back? There's a dude here. Yeah, you call me back. That's all it says. Yeah, Jack, the photo Do you know who that band is? The fo- the band is Visual Discrimination, I believe. Which is a Orange County band that put out an LP on Nemesis Records. I believe two LPs on Nemesis Records. They were kind of crossover like, you know, metally, but definitely definitely like fast punk but like certain like hardcore thrash tell me what they're called again visual discrimination oh god there's just i have zero (laughs) recollection (laughs) visual discrimination yeah and they would have been thrashy like so it would have appealed to your metal side and also this you know punk leaning and it would have been around the same time as as mustard you know, or, or yeah. the SOS band or just after that SOS band, I guess that we talked about earlier. I'm looking them up to see if I can hear it. Maybe the music will bring something back. Okay. I'm, I appreciate you taking this as serious as you are, because I trust, trust me, we take this. Well, I want to get to the, I want to get to the very bottom of it before I say, absolutely not. It was not me. Yeah. The number one song from Visual Discrimination is Crawling. I'm about to listen to it. (laughs) 
So did you picture yourself skanking to this? Yeah. You know, I just I don't have any <laughs> recollection of going to see a band called Visual Discrimination. And I wonder if there was someone else on the bill that I was like, oh. But, you know, I don't know who else was on the bill at that concert. I don't really remember going to Reseda for, to see shows. Okay. That's just that's just deep in the valley. All right? I'm not... And visual discrimination. It sounds like it might be a fucked up uh, racist band. No, no, they are. those guys? No, definitely not. I, I assure you of that. I'm not setting you up in any way that way. I promise you. <laughs> trying to get you to admit to seeing something super sketchy. No, they they actually are yeah, interesting. I love visual discrimination. <laughs> They're actually an interesting band because they came back together in uh, the late 90s and put out uh-huh. a another record on a label called Deep Six. Or it might have been six weeks, actually. Weirdly, there's two labels with that kind of similar name um but they they get they got back together a little bit later and did another seven inch and i was like a a huge fan of that seven inch and then found out about these early records and then of course saw this photo and was like wow that would be an amazing coincidence but we're gonna have to leave this one in the unknown column for now yeah sorry it's okay uh, i can't confirm or I'm leaning towards deny. I don't trust my own brain to remember things <laughs> with absolute certainty. Were you a mosher though? Would you have like? Were you a slammer? I, I did. I did dip my toe into the mosh pit from time to time, but it wasn't like a thing. Like, all right, it's Saturday night, time to go moshing. It was a <laughs> thing that would happen. You know, you get caught in the mosh when the spirit moved me. Yes. Yeah, like Xanthrax said, you get caught in that um, mosh. Yeah. Uh, I'd steer clear if it felt like a violent mosh, though. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, I'm, a, I'm a little scared. I'm a scared of a, of, a, of, of like a flying fist. Yeah, People think- using the – it's nothing's worse than someone using the mosh pit as an excuse to fucking haul off and punch someone in the face. Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. Bringing their rage. Mm-hmm. You know, got plausible deniability. No, I was just moshing. Got, got, uh, that one got away from me. We mentioned when Warren. I punched you as hard as I teeth. <laughs> we mentioned Warren Fitzgerald earlier. Were you a fan of the Vandals at all? Did you get to, ever get to see him? Uh, I did get to see the Vandals, and I, I do love the Vandals. Uh, once again, it's the combo of the good hard rock and punk rock and comedy. They mm-hmm. they understand like the that mixture. Mm-hmm. There's the chosen few who who get it, and um, yeah, and Warren just in general is a is an interesting bird. He's a he's a rare, uh, fascinating character. I don't I'm not I don't have that I don't have that many obsessions. Mm-hmm. You know that most people I just don't. Uh, zero in on but once in a while a Warren Fitzgerald will come around and you'll be like that dude's that dude uh, warrants further study <laughs> I'm just into his like uh, he's a renaissance man mm-hmm. he's a he's a monstrous guitar player and songwriter but he's also uh, an interesting uh, visual artist I don't know if you ever got a chance to see any of his paintings but he's he's, he's a he's a cool cat and he's uh, he's one of these guys where uh, 
not enough time in the day. It seems like he's always got a lot of interesting fires and a lot of different, a lot of different uh, genres and venues. Mm-hmm. And I like it that he writes songs for other people too. You know, he, he's really, he's really great. That's when you know that a, uh, an artist has, has it really going on when they're like, Oh, I'm this, I'm a cup runneth over. You sing this one. You do that one. <laughs> and he works on assignment really well. You know that he wrote, the opening song for School of Rock. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's all Warren Fitzgerald. I asked him to help me out because uh, I was trying to write some songs for that movie and I and I, and I needed a uh, just a blistering monster jam out of the gate and he, he, uh, he knew what to do. And uh, I know that he wrote another song for uh, a rad band out of Orange County that... Uh, I met because I did that show, uh, Yo Gabba Gabba. Mm-hmm. It's like the rad punk rock kids show from uh, the early two thousands. Oh, Jack, I my, you are you are famous in my house, not just with myself, but also with my yeah. young children for that uh, appearance oh, on Yo, for Gabba the Yo Gabba Gabba. Absolutely okay, good. Well, and Jumanji too you know now, that obviously. That came, but that's all Christian. It's a uh, that dude from uh, um, Aquabats, right? The Aquabats. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> but Warren Fitzgerald wrote the theme for the Aquabats Super Show. Oh. The, the Aquabats Super Show. Yeah, he's a tunesmith. I had no idea. I, that, that's another credit that I guess uh, eluded me on that one with him. Yes. And he loves to whip it out. He loves to whip it out live. Yes, I've seen that. I definitely have seen that over the years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he loves to whip it out and put, push it against the glass. Yeah, or his guitar too. I think I've seen before. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a trick where he stuffs it into a bottle somehow. He'll be able to squeeze it through the hole <laughs> and then just let the bottle hang. I don't know. That's a true renaissance man. Like not just a master of yeah. comedy, but physical comedy in the literal <laughs> sense. That's right. It all comes down to the. Did you ever sing in a band in high school? Yeah. Did you have a high school like band at all? I tried. Um, but it was, it was a failed uh, attempt. We rehearsed a few times and we played one party. What was and, it called? Uh, it, I don't remember what the name of our band was. Okay. I did not name the band. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I would have remembered that. Yeah. But um, maybe I had to try to mentally block it because the party we played one song. I think uh, we played a cover of like Iron Man or something, and and just it started off where people were listening to us, but like by the middle of the song, everyone had turned their backs on us and was talking. They were talking amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. And we finished the song, and we're like, uh, should we play another song? And we're like, nah, let's just call it a night. Yeah, they're not into it. They're not into it. And as we were getting ready to leave and pack up our gear, this uh, younger kid named Brent Meske came up and said, hey, can we borrow your gear just for one second? We want to play a song we just wrote. And we were like, all right, man, good luck. And he and Joey Warrenker and some other kid got up and used our instruments, <laughs> and uh, the party just exploded. <laughs> Everybody loved the kids with their 
brilliant little catchy little ditty song. And uh, that's when I decided, yeah, I was never gonna, I was never gonna uh, be in a band again. <laughs> and it wasn't until much later when I met Kyle Kyle Gass uh, in the Actors Gang Theater Company, where I was like jamming with him and we were doing like funny songs and it was just, uh, it was like, Oh, I, now I know this is the, the, my path. Mm-hmm. I cock, but it's gotta be funny. It can't be straight up serious. It's too, it's too painful. That road of like the serious <laughs> rocker. <laughs> you, but I've saw a clip years ago and I think it's from like a student movie of you singing and you sound like almost like uh like you're just like a punk rock style vocal like in like a forest. Oh my god, you saw that? It was online. Now, you can't find it anymore. Like I I I went looking for the clip today and I can't find that yeah. clip anymore. But that was online of you like singing like a punk it sounded like a punk song. Yes. Yeah. That was a movie that uh, that I did when I was in high school that a friend of mine directed named uh Brett Morgan. Mm-hmm. He was a, he we were in the same school. We were at Crossroads in Santa Monica. And this guy did this student film about a punk rocker. It was like, uh, it it was not very good. Look, (laughs) we were like 16 years old and I don't want anyone to ever see that movie because it's very embarrassing. My performance is, is fucking cringe worthy. Uh, but it was an interesting idea. The idea of this punk rocker who becomes, a normal like suburban kid throughout the course of the the story it's like a uh based loosely on the conformist um but uh <clears throat> yeah that that's, was uh that was that's a tough one to watch it's tough to watch your old yes. stuff from when you're a teenager you're you're just exploring all avenues and I haven't I hadn't really found my voice or who I was yet. Well, the song sounds awesome. Your vocal on that that sounded cool. Oh, thank you. But uh yeah, that was um actually another member of of Mustard, Daryl Goldfarb on guitar on that jam. He he was a really good guitar player, but um Yeah, Brett Morgan, the guy who directed that, has gone on to be like one of the great documentary filmmakers i saw this he did the one on uh nirvana Kurt cobain right? that yeah thing. yeah it was uh it was a montage of heck mm-hmm. that's a that's worth checking out and he just did another one about that woman jane goodall who studied the chimpanzees called jane that's fucking one of the best movies of the year for sure oh awesome no i definitely i've seen montage of heck but i, I gotta see jane yeah you don't need to see that thing we did in high school, but you should see those other ones <laughs> more recently. Uh, I guess I can only imagine what it's like to have to have your like high school films become something that people are putting up on the internet. Oh my god, I know. No, it's like a like an old skeleton coming back <laughs> to haunt. Well, it's it, it certainly isn't the worst skeleton because, as I say, your vocal—if I remember correctly—because it's been a couple of years since I've seen it—was was pretty badass. Did you guys record? and put that out in any sort of real way, or is that just for the movie? No, that was just for the movie. There was no soundtrack album. <laughs> that would be cool. It would be cool if there, if there was a, just the songs 
I'll see if I can find a copy of it to send to you. Oh, I because, please. Yeah. Would be, I would love that. Oh, that was well. called. It was called "Fuck That Shit." That's yeah, what that song was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, maybe I can get you a copy for your eyes only. I will. I will not Don't share let it, it. Fall into the wrong hands. Believe me, this is my house. Is like, uh, as you saw briefly in our FaceTime earlier, I am like a a monument to dead formats that just live here for no one to see but me in my little. What was your first? Did you have a high school band? Yeah, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. <laughs> yes. Oh, you're in trouble. Yes, it works on two levels. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was. Uh... I got it. I got it a little bit late there because it's the pronunciation that tips you off to the urine. It. That's the thing is I, I with the Canadian pronunciation. You gotta say it right. Yeah, you definitely. It's You're gone. in trouble. <laughs> where, we, uh, where are you right now? I'm in Toronto. All right. Keep it holding it down in the uh, the the six, as they like to call it these We're days. We're going to be coming to Montreal uh, at some festival this year. I can't remember exactly when. Just for laughs, I bet. Um, right. And that is it. Just for laughs. I would have sure. Let me see. Or maybe is it is it well, was it the big rock festival? It's Montreal. Montreal, yeah, yeah, the big rock festival. Heavy, heavy MTL, heavy Montreal. I'll tell you what it is. Um, Montebello. Is oh that? yeah, that's that's actually that's just outside of Montreal, um, kind of between Montreal okay, and Ottawa, yeah. and that is definitely uh, that. a huge festival. Uh, I saw, yeah. I saw No Effects, Rancid, uh, Screeching Weasel. And oh, Marilyn shit. Manson, all in one day there, Jack. Oh shit! It was a. Well, I think day. we're going on right before before Weezer on okay. one of those nights. So if I can come out, man, I would love to. You guys toured with them, right? It would right? be good to see you. I would love to. We do. did a long time ago. It's going to be yeah. a reunion of sorts. Well, Jack, this has been like I don't want to keep you all day, man, because this has been an unbelievable thrill to get to finally do this with you. I think I. I don't think you could keep me all day because I think I emptied the bottle. I gave you all of my – I know I'm going to remember some punk rock as soon as we hang up. Oh, my gosh, Jack. But, uh, I didn't get to all my evidence, dude. I didn't get to you singing Waiting Room <laughs> on Instagram. Oh. oh, my God. Well, that's one of the fucking greats. Yeah, no doubt. Fugazi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know what's we're, interesting about Fugazi? They fucking – I remember listening to Fugazi in college going, God, these guys are fucking hard as stone. Listen to how fucking serious this shit is. This is fucking bad. I bet you they're the fucking most serious badass. And then I went to see them live. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like dancing on stage during the sing- <laughs> during these songs. I was like, this is not what I expected. But I loved it. I loved Did- it. It was just that I didn't expect to see so much joy on the stage with that music. You know what I mean? Yeah. That music is so strong and hard. And it, but, but the performance of it was like uh, a revelation. Did you get in trouble for moshing at that show? No, okay. I didn't make it up to the pit okay. for that one. They, uh, they, um, they know they got no love for the mosh pit. Did you see that, that movie, uh, uh, instrument? instrument? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Great documentary about Fugazi. And the amazing thing about it is it's this beautiful movie about like a whole 15 year period 
you kind of go on this journey with Fugazi and you see not just their concerts and their, and their, their uh, professional life, but you kind of see what they're all about behind the scenes and mm-hmm. who they are as people. And it was like, wow, this is a real amazing movie, but um, not one mention or you, you didn't no 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 waiting room. No waiting room. No, no waiting room anywhere in there. Not even in the credits. That's like they're like, free how bird. Can you not have how could exactly? <laughs> they were denying us the hits and <laughs> so punk rock, you sons of bitches. <laughs> so when I was doing my Instagram, I was like, I'm gonna like, go straight to the waiting room, baby. <laughs> it's amazing when you're in a band how there's always that Ian Mackay sitting on your shoulder telling you not to sell out at every turn. <laughs> it's yeah. like the, the albatross. Oh um, yeah. But, but Jack, this has been like the the best, and I believe me, there's way more evidence. And one day, somewhere down the line, I'd love to have you on for a part two. Loving it, absolutely. All right, Jack. Let's well, th- look. Let's look to the summer of 2020. Let's just put the put that in there. <laughs> just a light stencil. By that point, we'll be able to uh, digitally go into that photograph and experience that concert and confirm whether or not that was you in 1989 in Reseda, California. And by then I will know every nuance of you're in trouble. <laughs> Is that something I can get on, on Apple on iTunes? Oh God, I'm nowhere near enough famous for them. Someone to do that to me, Jack. <laughs> no, thank God. Thank God. I'll trade you. I will definitely trade you. Uh, you get me, you get me a certain soundtrack tape and I will get you a you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. That's a deal. Awesome, buddy. Thank you so much again, man. Take care, my brother. Thank you, Jack, for coming on the show. And, of course, Jack Black can be found on Instagram uh, where he has uh, a pretty pretty great Instagram where he lip syncs to some songs. That's where you can see that Fugazi video. Um, the photo in question has been posted on my Instagram that we talked about of the visual discrimination show in Reseda, California. So check that out and make your own assessment. You can also be found on a Reddit thread, which is where I believe, no, I think I got it from a revelation fun fact. I'm pretty sure I have to give credit to the revelation records and their fun facts, which come in their weekly email update, uh, which is a great source. If you're into this nerdy shit, like I am, that's a great source for information, but thank you, Jack, for coming on the show. You heard right there, Jack's going to be back for a part two in 2020. So that's something to look forward to. You know, that's going to be, uh, you know, say, say your watches now, you know, set those, get those Google alerts reminding you. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was fun. Um, thank you, Brian, Brian Schwartz. Uh, I love you, buddy. Cause he was the guy that set that up. Um, and, uh, Tristan, you know, and, and, and Kim and everyone else that helps out with this podcast. Thank you so much. Next week on the show, we're going from strength to strength. Next week on the show, Abdullah Saeed of the show High Maintenance, of the show Bong Appetit, used to do the Weedekit column for Vice uh, way back in the day now. No, a few years ago, though. And uh, uh, also, Total Punk Hardcore Kid, which I didn't really know till we hung out. And you will hear all about it next week on the show. This is a really fun episode. I recorded out with him when I was in Los Angeles and, uh, it was a blast. It's, it's a, it's a cool episode and it's definitely, uh, a, a smoked out episode as well, which they all are. Let's be honest. If I'm involved, they all are. 
Uh, so that is next week on the show. Thank you everyone for listening. Once again, please find me on various forms of social media at left for Damien, follow the Facebook page and, uh, yeah, well, I'll see you next week. Oh, and oh, I'll see you on footnotes footnotes. We're going to have a lot to talk about after this episode. Oh my gosh. There's a lot to dive into. His brother invented the whip sound on whip it. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, find me on social media, find, you know, send an email to the podcast, uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, go out there and make your own culture. Cause anyone can do this, you know, go out there, start a zine, start a record label, start a band, start a podcast. If you're really lazy and, uh, yeah, go out there and make your own culture. Thank you everyone for listening. And I will see you next week. <laughs>